gathered together from the cosmic reaches of the universe, here in this great hall of justice. Superheroes have to be around other superheroes. You know what I mean? That's the Hall of Justice is more about them just commiserating about their powers and less about them like actually fighting crime. So what uh what is this place anyway? Is this some type of fancy DMV? Are you kidding? It's the Hall of Justice. Seth Everett is the best there is at what he does, bub. And what he does is the Hall of Justice podcast. Go, go, go with a smile. Welcome to episode 354 of the Hall of Justice podcast. Thank you so much for listening and downloading and subscribing and rating and reviewing and all the support everyone gives me. This is the third podcast of October 2023. The first one was our review of Star Wars Ahsoka. That feels like it was yesterday. You might have listened to it yesterday. Last week, the premiere of Doom Patrol. Have you watched Doom Patrol yet? We talked to Javon Wade and April Belby from the cast of Doom Patrol. And this week, we have an episode that I've been planning for weeks. Julie Nathanson. She's been a big supporter of the podcast for a long time. The last time we had her on was for Batman The Long Halloween, episode 245. We talked to her a little bit back then about her extensive career, but there was a big milestone that she had set. And when I found out about it, I said, wait a second, we have to have her back. If you're just an animation fan and you've never played a video game, she was Roe in Zeta Project, the Batman Beyond spinoff. She was Sally Johnson in Spider-Man, the new animated series. Suicide Squad, Hell to Pay. She was in Avengers Assemble, but she also voices video games. And when I say video games, she just announced that in her latest role as Briar in League of Legends, that is her 100th voiceover role in a video game. That's incredible. 100 video games. Let's hear a short sample of Julie Nathanson as Briar in League of Legends. Welcome to the Briar Champion Spotlight. Free! We can... Sorry. (laughs) Old habit. Uh, hi! Food doesn't have to be blood? Huh. But I'm not full yet. We don't have to fight. You could just share your butt. Her first one was 2004 EverQuest 2. She's been in Sims. She's been in Night of the Museum. She's been in Metal Gear Solid, StarCraft 2, Bulletstorm. Then she's also had long-standing roles as Samantha Maxis in Call of Duty. She's been a frequent voice actress in the Final Fantasy series. I mean, there's just no end. Let's welcome back to the Hall of Justice podcast for her second appearance of what will be many, the great Julie Nathanson. We're so excited. So here's the challenge. We just (laughs) found out that you have had 100 video game roles. Name them starting now. A, B, C, D, E. Oh, 
No, I not not all the letters of the alphabet. Um, pi is it three point one four one five nine two six five eight five eight nine nine three two three eight four six two six four three three eight three two seven nine five. My kids are going to be so impressed with this. I was bored in math class in eleventh grade. <laughs> it was, and it sounds so much cooler than I am. But like that was the border instead of some sort of molding at the top of the room there was just like the first 61 digits of pi and i was like i did all my homework already let's memorize this wow um so instead of my 100 video game credit it's crazy you've been in 100 video games so the thing that i think the audience would most enjoy is are the is the audition process the same for animation versus a video game because the process is hmm. much more detailed once you're doing the video game but is the audition process different hmm. that's a really interesting question um they, they only go downhill I, from here they only go downhill which by the way is a phrase where i'm like what if downhill is like i'd like to go down but like you don't know right you, you have to know. really think about that context Could i don't want to take us off off course here and get back into the alphabet and pie um because that no wouldn't more. be the first time no more mathematical content constants for you. Um, so, so I, in terms of how I approach things, that's, that's what I, I feel like I can speak to. Um, I approach them relatively similarly, which is that I want to take a look at all of the information I'm given. I want to, you know, look at the entire character description. I want to try to suss out, you know, what is this project? Um, I want to, you know, analyze the script as much as I can. I want to find, what feels authentic to me once I've understood the character and and grab onto some empathy. And then I want to just sort of let go and see what happens. Um, I think with animation, most of the time we have more information about what the thing actually is. So with video games, a lot of the time because of, of, you know, a high degree of secrecy, you know, many of the the things that we get will be, you know, what's called scrubbed. So there'll be a code name, there'll be, mm. you know, a, a code planet name, there'll be, a, you know, like, we won't get all the information. So I think in terms of that part of the process, I have to recognize that if something doesn't make sense in the sides, it might be that either they didn't want to disclose that part, or it's maybe a leftover thing that wasn't accounted for when the sides got scrubbed. So, um, and then in terms of researching, you know, if it's, you know, this is going to be a show that's on, you know, network. And I know, you know, let's say I, I've, you know, worked with this company before and I know their animation right. style, I might approach it differently. Hmm. But in terms of what I do, I feel like, you know, actor process wise, a lot of it is similar. Um, but I don't know if I answered your question. No, I feel that, like you, I feel like okay, you so wanted here's... to know that it was like, they're so different. So, it's so, different. so when we had you on the last time, it was yeah. uh, Batman the Long Halloween. Mm. Right? Mm -hmm. And we were talking, I, I would say 80% of that podcast is about that movie. Um, but for that movie, for example, when it's finished, mm -hmm and COVID's not a thing, you get to go to a premiere or a screening, at the very least, a, you know, a company crew, you know, friends and family kind of thing, you know, something. Mm -hmm. You're going to something for the film. For a video game, mm -hmm. do you play it? 
Do you have <laughs> someone play it? How do you get to see the final product? Because I would think if it's something you worked hard on, you want to see the fruits of your labor. Yeah, and I I do like to see the the uh, proverbial fruits. Um, I <laughs> I have, I like have, to see. You have like a family member. You say here, play this, and I'm just gonna watch. N- no, but I I'm always aware of you know friends of mine who might already be involved in a franchise and they've been you know playing that game forever or you know I might have someone who's like oh my god I saw that you're gonna be in this thing I can't wait to play it then I'll hit them up and ask them questions about it but um you know tr- truth be told I I you hear the party line from from so many voice actors you know we don't have time to play games I do not have time to play games so part of that is that I know how incredibly involved and invested I would get and um I am fortunate to be uh working and and busy a lot of the time so that that's not necessarily something that I feel like I can dive into however um I'm not someone who, and I, I, I certainly have friends who would say this, like, I, I can't hear myself. I don't want to listen. I don't want to watch. Oh, it's, it's, I am... it's like me in the podcast. Once it's published, I, I go through these things with a fine tooth comb. And the minute they are published, I can't, it's like fingernails on a chalkboard. I can't listen to it. Really? Yeah. I don't See, think I've ever heard an episode of the Hall of Justice because I hear every second of it while it's being put together. And then once it's finished, right. voila, it's yours. Okay. That's incredibly fair because you're editing. Right. right. So you're, you, yep. you actually do listen to it yeah. in some form. Oh, I, I've heard every word. Right. Right. You've heard every word. You've actually had a chance to listen back a little bit and, and, and hear like, oh, I that's when back, I falter. Right. I take out the ums and the ahs and the. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. So I get really curious about how whatever I did became a part of the collaborative piece of art. Yeah. that players will enjoy so from i mean it's it's almost i don't know ideological for me you know okay. art art by definition to me is collaborative because you know even even if we're collaborating with you know a visual art medium there is a collaboration once another person views whatever it is if sure. it's a piece of visual art it is being interpreted by the other person so you know, the interactivity of video games to begin with is is like it's really this beautiful emblem of that, right? It really embodies that kind of collaboration. And so many people work on these games. So maybe I come in and I've seen, you know, a rendering. Maybe I've seen a trailer. If I'm lucky, I might see a little gameplay. But generally, I don't see a lot of visuals as I'm moving through the process of doing right, of however many lines I have. You're so early in the process. But when I get to see gameplay and I look at gameplay videos, I look at cutscenes. I'm the person who, if, if a fan so has made are you checking a out Twitch? Hour... Yeah, are you checking out Twitch and watching these people play the game? And I have. Ah, there we go. I have lurked a little bit. Um, I've lurked a little bit with Twitch. Usually, however, I am I'm just all over YouTube watching. Uh-huh. And if someone has done like, here is a four hour you know, cutscene movie of this game. I'm like, popcorn, let's go. I want to see this. <laughs> and a lot of it is I want to see how the whole story plays together. I do want to see how whatever I did vocally was interpreted by 
animators and sound designers mm -hmm. and I'm and I am so fascinated by it and I I end up feeling really extra proud right not like oh this is so great and I'm so great it's not that my ego is not that no, big no, I, it's, not, it's not that yeah. part it's it's wow I got to collaborate with all of these people right I was a part of this yeah, I was a part of this and, you know, I was trying to collaborate with what I knew they were working on. And then somebody took what I did and they, you know, were inspired by something and created something else. So I mm -hmm. watch all of that um, as much as I can. Um, I also am always curious how dialogue, which is usually in games recorded in a very one-sided way, unless we're on, you know, mocap, pcap stage with each other. A lot of the time when you're doing video games, right. it's just me and it's just you're you in and my enchanted forest like... booth yeah. by myself for another yeah. studio. And I like to, to see, again, this is about sound design, audio work, you know, how did they make that sound so organic? Like we were really talking to each other. Um, awesome. And I also like to keep up with those things so that I'm staying current with what the developers are working on, what's working, what's not working. You know, okay, well, fans really seem to like this game. What is it about it? So I'm not just looking at my own work. I'm looking at my colleagues' work. I will get excited when a friend of mine says they're in a game. If I'm not in it, no, I don't care. It's great. I right. want to watch some cutscenes and see what they did. So that is um, my very long way. Is it tomorrow yet? Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, this is the next episode. This mm -hmm. is your third appearance mm -hmm, on, on the mm -hmm. show. Um, awesome. Um, uh, Brief as always. People often ask me, how do I keep motivated? And uh, how do I keep my spirit's up. Well, things are, are moving forward instead of backwards. I think every neuroscientist in the world, if you lined them all up and asked them the same question, can the spinal cord be repaired, they'd say yes. That is the voice of Christopher Reeve. Whether this is your first time ever hearing the Hall of Justice or you've listened to over 300 of the episodes that we've put together, since this podcast was created in 2015, the superhero genre owes a great deal to the role Christopher Reed played as Superman. Partnering with the Christopher and Dana Reeve Foundation is an honor for the Hall of Justice podcast. In 1995, the accomplished actor was paralyzed after being thrown from a horse during an equestrian competition. After his accident, he lobbied for spinal injury research, and that led the man who once played Superman to the foundation that bears his name. Here's the origin story from the foundation's CEO, Maggie Goldberg. So when Christopher Reeve was injured in 1995, he was looking at all of the other organizations in the country and really around the world. Um, and there weren't that many that were searching for cures and treatments for spinal cord injury. And what he loved about our organization at the time, which was the American Paralysis Association, is that we were funding research. We, we, our mission and sort of theme was considered a laboratory without walls. We wanted to fund the best research, no matter where it was in the world. And one of the other parts of the mission was bringing researchers together 
and to share information, which wasn't really something that was done at the time. Researchers you know, can be very competitive. They hold their information close to the best. So I think that's what really drew him um, most to this organization. The Christopher and Dana Reeve Foundation is dedicated to curing spinal cord injury by advancing innovative research and improving the quality of life for individuals and families impacted by paralysis. We are on the cusp of a new era in spinal cord injury where real cures are within reach. The Reeve Foundation serves as a catalyst at this critical moment, uniting academics, scientists, and industry in a new model of collaboration. The Christopher and Dana Reeve Foundation is really the only national paralysis foundation focused on a dual mission. Today's care, tomorrow's cure. We are searching for cures and treatments for spinal cord injury, paralysis caused by spinal cord injury, but we also provide services and programs for people impacted by all types of mobility impairments. So when you think about paralysis, it's not just spinal cord injury, it's stroke, ALS, MS, um, in addition to spinal cord injury. And we're here to really help people navigate their journey through paralysis, whether or not they were diagnosed or impacted from you know, yesterday, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago. This partnership is not the only tie Christopher Reeve has had with this podcast, even though it was created 11 years after his passing in 2004. In the 1970s at Juilliard, Christopher Reeve was good friends with Kevin Conroy. Little did they know then that while Christopher Reeve would be the embodiment of Superman, Kevin Conroy would be known as the voice of Batman. And Kevin was kind enough to come on this podcast during his illustrious career five times. Tragically, Dana Reeve passed away in 2006, and the foundation was renamed the Christopher and Dana Reeve Foundation. I asked CEO Maggie Goldberg how listeners of the Hall of Justice podcast can participate and help the Christopher and Dana Reeve Foundation. There are many ways to get involved. The easiest is to go to our website at ChristopherReeve.org. You can also follow us on social media. Our handle is at Reeve Foundation. Um, there, you could become an advocate. You can run a marathon and join Team Reeve. You can become a fundraiser. You can help us spread the word. You can become a volunteer. All of that is outlined at ChristopherReeve.org and we invite you to become part of our family. In the weeks and months to come, we are going to organize some walks and some activities that can raise money for the Christopher and Dana Reeve Foundation. But for now, if you are hearing this for the first time, the fifth time, or the tenth time, go to ChristopherReeve.org, get the newsletter, and find resources in your area. I'd like to think that if we had this podcast in the time that Christopher Reeve was alive, he'd want to be a part of it. He'd want to be a part of the show. And he'd want us to spread the word about this foundation. Thanks to you, the listeners, we are going to do that. I think in order to accomplish something, somebody has to go out there and put out a vision that makes it seem more real, more tangible. According to my extensive research, oh my mm -hmm. goodness, do I do extensive research? Uh oh. Um, 
your first video game. Mm-hmm. You had been acting, you'd done live action stuff, you'd done some animation, you were obviously in Batman Beyond before this, but your first video game was like 2004. Okay, that sounds about so, right. So, a hundred games later, have you noticed, have you noticed the technology change? Oh my gosh, like, yes. It, like if you go away <laughs> from video games, like there are people people who listen to this podcast that love superhero stuff and they don't play video games. Have you noticed that over the years? Like, my goodness, what they can do now versus what they could do when you start. Yeah, it would be impossible not to notice it. And 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 I I think that is part of what has made the characters even more multi-layered. Right. We have, you know, there's there's so much more that can be done, I I think. And, and maybe this is a more naive position. It seems like the stories can be so much more complex. So and, and certainly, you know, 90 plus hours of gameplay. You know, there are um, visuals that I never dreamed would be possible to to see an experience in a game. Um you know, I, I, way back in the day in yeah. 2004, we were Another playing on an anxious sketch and it was great. <laughs> so, you know, I, I, I can say that some of the early had games. had to eat all the dots and was, avoid the ghosts. Exactly. I get it. Well, yeah, a little bit, but I had a little pink bow in my hair, so it was fine. You were the frog. Um, you tried to cross the street. Ah, I love Frogger. Even Frogger looks different. So, um, you know, some of the early, I think one of the first games I did, I don't know what you found was like maybe EverQuest or Champions of Norath, but I also one of an, one of the earliest games I did was Psychonauts, and you played you know, looking back at Psychonauts, I did, and you know that game looking back, it's it's beautiful, like it that plays so well, it's stylized, it's hmm. different, it's so, I mean, it's it's brilliant 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 game um so so certain things i think especially stylistically if they were you know had had an element of uniqueness at the time i think you know you can still look back and go oh my gosh that's so incredible it looks so great and with some of the the visuals that we're able to experience now seamlessly frame rate and you know every single color and movement it's so much a part of, I think, our own experiential world moving through a game. And and I know I'm saying this, you know, I, I, I have played a little bit here and there, but again, it's not my my usual, but of course I have. And I um the the I have a um I have a VR set at home. So I I will sometimes walk into a game experience that way. And that world is also so mind-blowing to me and it must not sound even sound like you oh yeah all of that sounding like me but also just really walking through a game environment and losing myself in it and that is so part and parcel to the technology itself so um as well as of course you know wonderful writing so yes i have absolutely noticed and and it's it's incredible and um also like almost disconcerting at times because I'll look at something and think, is that a photograph? No, actually, that's a rendering. That's, you know, that's part of the environment of this game. That's wild. Um, 
let's talk about some of the continual roles that you've had, namely the, the most recent one we talked about in the open, uh, League of Legends, Briar, uh, and Call of Duty, Samantha Maxis. Mm-hmm. Um, when did you know that if they keep making Call of Duties, you're still going to be there? Like, how did you did you get that uh, assuredness? You know, or did you just you did, you did the one Call of Duty and then another one came out? Yeah, auditioned again and you said, "Wait a minute, I played her already." Like, how does that work? So with with Samantha Maxis and and the whole um, evolution of this character and my relationship um, to her and and with Call of Duty, it, it has been. Um, you know, the gift that keeps on giving. I I never imagined that it would be so many years later and I would still get to inhabit this character. Um, you know, I went in the first time and, you know, I was had no idea what I was getting into. And, well, and I the just... first time Call of Duty wasn't what Call of Duty is now. Yeah. There, are, this... there are so <laughs> many people listening to this podcast. They don't know a thing about video games. They know what <laughs> Call of Duty is. Right. It's, you know, and and my character um had traditionally really stuck in the in the world of call of duty um black ops and and zombies and so so it's a um a specific part of the storytelling in call of duty and the 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 zombies players the zombies fans are they're so passionate and so excited about the story and so call of duty looks like okay well this is you know first person shooter and so it's all going to be you know it's just kind of you know mayhem and violence but the story that i've gotten to be a part of as samantha maxis and and through all these years has been um it's been at times really wild and she has uh had moments where she's you know whatever controlling zombies and stuff and and you know being possessed by some you know lots of lots of stuff that happens in, in on I a mean, thursday um, i mean as it was sure but i went into this one session um you know now i don't know three four years ago and 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 they said you're you're coming back as you know Samantha Maxis and I was like oh cool Samantha Maxis I love playing her this is so cool I never know game to game if I'm coming I'm like okay great can I ask a back. dumb question can I interrupt you yeah. and ask a dumb question yeah. ask me questions are, are there Call of Duty games where you're not Samantha Maxis there there are yes I'm trying to answer your question oh. properly yes there so so uh so oh, it has to wow. do with yeah so so there are there's so many different call of duty you've got call of duty modern warfare which has its own world and you have uh call of duty um you know you'll have like a main campaign you'll have call of so there there are lots of different um I want to say formations, um, but uh, um, categories. <laughs> so, uh, so my this is the storyline in which I've, you know, been, uh, um, of which I've been a part for years is is uh, the an ether story uh, that has to do with zombie stuff. You, you, I don't have to tell you all the lore. Here's the point. I never knew. I'm just letting you roll here. Let me roll. So she, so, so at the time she's, she's a little girl and, and she's, uh, you know, um, uh, prone to some violence at times, uh, and, and has gone through some stuff. And I go into what I think is going to be another session where I'm Samantha Maxis, the little girl. And, uh, and they say, Hey, guess what? For, uh, Call of Duty Cold War, um, we're growing her up and she's an adult now. And I was like, oh, I'm sorry, what? Oh, <laughs> and 
that was such a huge um, gift and honor, to be completely honest with you, not just like, you know, it's an honor to be nominated. Like, they could have gone with someone else to voice mm -hmm. Samantha Maxis as an adult, but I got to grow her up. And that story was also, you know, very uh, emotional and psychologically layered and, um, you know, writing you know, Craig Houston. It was just, it really, really <laughs> a wonderful experience. Um, and that was a big surprise. So being able to see the, the entire scope of where I had gotten to start as Samantha Maxis and then where there we were, you know, telling her story as an adult. And was all this really backstory wild. and all right. this continuity. Yeah, all that. So that was exciting. And then and then you mentioned Briar for League of Legends. Sure. You know, this this was uh, I don't think I had realized it was my 100th um, game. And uh, it it's such a great character to to sort of celebrate with. Mm. Um, I love one of the things I love so much about voiceover is that I get to play with so many different characteristics, personalities, yes, voices, characters, that I never would as an on-camera performer. Mm. I did on-camera before. It was lovely. I was really lucky. I worked. But I did a lot of like, oh, I'm sorry, I feel that in myself. Yeah, so very much. Beverly Hills, baby. Sure, absolutely. And had a great time. And I was really lucky that I got to work as much as I did. But and I felt so much more free behind a microphone hmm. because I can be anything. I can be a creature. I can be the old man or I just want to feed my birds. That's how I talk. That's my um, voice for my dog lately. You should listen and to the <laughs> Phil Lamar episode. Oh, God, Phil. He's incredible. <laughs> but And so that's a great example, right? So, so with on camera, you know, you would never cast me in 95, 97% of the roles right. that I've gotten to play, which means that the microphone has been like a, a permission slip for me to be able to do so many different things and to be, you know, um, ferocious or violent or scared or gross um and and all of these different characters and all of their um many environments in which i would probably never be placed right. as an on-camera performer but briar yeah. bringing it back to briar briar is kind of the embodiment of so many different things i love that i get to do usually playing several different characters mm. because she's fun and she's funny and she's friendly and she's really curious and I got to really play up the humor and then she goes into frenzy mode and she's bloodthirsty and violent and she is nice. powerful and so there's this ferocity mixed with this joyful fun friendliness that I don't usually get to to sort of embody in one character and that was, you know, it was a really nice example of one one of the reasons I fell in love with voiceover was really being able Amazing. to to have such variety. And she's just she's such a blast to play. It, it, to hear your passion is 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 very infectious. And oh, thank you. You know, it's 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 great to see uh, this embracing of of the craft. We've had dozens of voice people on the show. And what 
many have said in the past, which I don't think it's overstated enough, is the audition process. Mm. And the analogy, I think it was Diedrich Bader that made the analogy uh, that it's like a baseball player. You know, a Hall of Fame baseball player gets out seven out of ten times. Mm-hmm. You get a couple of hits, but you get out seven out of ten times. Even for someone as accomplished as yourself, the audition process, are you going on X amount of auditions a week, a month? Can you take breaks? Do you ever feel like, I'm not feeling it today. I'm not going to audition for this. It, it, the The process is so haphazard it's so catch as catch can mm-hmm. tell me about the process considering you're in your booth you're in your comfort zone you've done mm-hmm. hundred of these video games plus dozens of animated things how does that work hmm. i feel like there are five different questions within one so i if i don't right. answer Nobody the- said this podcast wasn't going to get existential nobody said this was going to be easy um <laughs> So, so let's see, um, thinking about what my wonderful friend Dietrich, I, I do, I adore him and, um, you know, you invoke Dietrich Bader and I'm like, yes. Um, so, so uh, it it is my suspicion since I started this podcast, there are no voice actors that are assholes. They're simply, it is, it's, it, it is really, um, truly an odd niche um for performers because never seen a voice performer live acting live action i've seen some assholes never in voice acting i think i the thing that i was saying about being at the microphone and feeling like it gives me permission you know i have to be able to step out of how i look how I am perceived visually, what your expectations of me as a person might be. And so stepping away from this perception that is about appearance, physical appearance, and relying upon what crazy thing can I do with my voice? What kind of character can I make with my vocal cords and my heart and my soul and my my imagination that, that could have you imagining something visually or even have an animator create and to do that i have to be able to separate from the self-consciousness of what i think for me at least as an on-camera actor had to do with you know what what could be perceived as ego but what is absolutely insecurity right i don't want to be seen as someone who would be you know gross or goofy or something because i have to be you know pretty and so instead a lot of us are just playing and we're playing with i think fewer inhibitions so i think that may be part of it Mm. um that's that's a theory that i have um and in terms of the friendliness you know, we are, those of us who are fortunate enough to be working consistently, those of us who've been fortunate enough to be working consistently for years, for years, are so grateful. We're so grateful to be able to do this. We also know that as voice performers, longevity is different right. in this part of the business, 
right? Especially totally. I'm thinking about, you know, like I spoke with myself. Oops. If that's really where things were for me when I was an on-camera actor, what's going to happen as I get older? As I get older now, I'm just bringing well, my and, voice and, with me. And for women, it's not, it, it's not even a secret. It's it, for women. It's completely different than for men. Yeah. And just this idea that, you know, getting older uh, is considered this grand negative. Like there's this in between. There's like you're getting older, and then when you become really old, then it's everything old becomes young again, and it's like this vicious cycle. But with voices, you wouldn't know. I didn't know you personally until we met, you know, virtually right. through the podcast. But I'd heard your work. So when I'd heard your work before I knew what you looked like, and mm -hmm. nowadays it's easy to Google people in, right. the, in the voice cast, but but in the beginning, look, listen, when Batman Beyond came out, I knew who you were. I, you know, Zeta Project, I knew who you were, like that era, mm -hmm. but I didn't know what you had done or anything about your background. So like now for women it must be especially women who are extraordinary voice actors this process if you can get over the insecurity of it mm -hmm. there is a great unlimited there's no shortage of projects there's there's projects and projects and you may only get 20 percent of them but if you get 20 percent, you've had a hell of a career You've had a hell of a career. And and that that really is, th thank you. And that brings it right back to, you know, being able to have fun doing this, feeling grateful to do it. Um, yes, we do, we do share, um, you know, hey, I might, you know, I might check in with a friend of mine and say, hey, um, you know, I don't want to give away the name of the project, but do you, do you have an audition today? That I just want to make sure that there's involved. something that you should, or I have, you know, actually talked to a casting director and said, listen, I think that you might want to look at this person because they're amazing. Have you heard of this new voice actor who's fabulous? And, you know, we do that because we feel so grateful. We do that because we also want the project to be elevated and we want to see the newer people get cast. We also want our friends to be happy and working. So the other pieces with the gratitude and the joy thing if I do not enjoy auditioning, I am in such trouble because I audition all the time. Yes, yes, I'm. It, it is wonderful. Every so often there will be a direct offer, something that I didn't audition for and this incredible thing falls in my lap and I'm like, are you sure? You don't wanna just hear me lay this down for a second? Are you mm. positive? And it's incredible. Most of the time I am in my booth auditioning at, at you know every day, many times multiple projects and that is again incredibly fortunate cesd has been very good to me for all of the years that i've been doing this work and i'm very you know grateful to be able to have a lot of auditions but if i don't enjoy that process and i don't see it as an opportunity to play an opportunity to you know see what else i could do then i am going to lose that sense of play i have a file on my studio computer that is um podcast you like being on that's the file uh, obviously yeah it's like oh, okay. and all it is just you it's like it's, one it's just hall it's, of justice it's, yep. it's, it's, yeah yeah cool. it's just all and right. it's just this like lonely little file it's just it's like <laughs> hall of justice it's just hall of justice nothing else that's it echo it's a whole echo. file, it's a whole yep. file. <laughs> i have a file on my studio computer of of auditions where mm. 
It's not a question of like, mm, I did a really good job. It's not that. It's that something different happened there. That was a character I didn't know I could do. Mm. Something felt really good. Something clicked. And I keep that, not because I want to revisit things I think I'm fabulous doing, but right. because it turns, look at it backwards. I'm turning my audition process into a class for myself. What can I do? How can I stretch this? Oh, How can awesome. I find something that then could lead to something else? So if I don't get that job, okay, yeah, I'm not, we're not going to get the majority of the jobs that we audition for. Right. But can we keep growing every time we hit the microphone? Yeah. It's not a wasted effort by any No, step. no. Um, no. One of the neat things for voice actors that you were not involved in, but I, I would think that every voice actor was thrilled to see was the latest uh, Star Wars live action stuff with Katie Sackhoff reprising her role. Oh, God. She so is great. the live action As version of the role she She's... did in animation. I know. And then recently on Ahsoka, we just talked about this on the podcast, Lars Mikkelsen, who plays Je Grand Admiral Thrawn, he literally voiced that character 15 years ago. And now That's he's amazing. the guy. It's that, it voice is, actors must be like that is like the home run. It 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 is, and it's also yes. Uh, you know, again, for me, I left I left on camera behind. I you know, it's just not my focus now. It's not oh, something. No, I get it. However, it's kind of like what I experienced being asked to become the adult version of Samantha Maxis. I mm. get to bring this forward. I get to keep telling analogy, this character's yeah. story, and so. To be, you know, I mean, Katie was, inc she's incredible. She's wonderful. She's perfect as both. But if you watch that she... cartoon, if you watch the animated uh, Clone Wars and you see her, and yeah. then you see her and it's the same voice. And I'm I have like, chills. I have literally chills as you're saying this. Like I actually completely full body crazy. chills. That was so crazy. It's And it's beautiful. The consistency and also, you know, fans who know are so excited about it. And it is, again, that that arc of storytelling and it is, again, embodiment of collaboration. So, yeah, it's cool stuff. All right. Before we wrap this this up, since this is the Julie Nathanson show, not the oh, God. Batman Long Halloween show. <laughs> um, all right. Let, let's do Zeta Project. Um, one of the most obscure, but in continuity with all the DC everything. Mm-hmm. You were kind of just starting out. You were still doing live action at the time. What was that experience like? And I would imagine when you're in cons and things like that, when people find out you were row in Zeta Project, like that's a deep cut. But man, what a cut that is. <laughs> um, you know, what? One of the ways that I got into voiceover in the first place, which forgive me, I may have told on our in our previous conversation, but mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I got into voiceover because somebody insulted my voice, um, and I turned it into a career. So, uh, you know, somebody had. I don't think you told. It. I think we'd remember oh, I that didn't? story. No. Okay. Should I tell the story? You're more than you want welcome the story? to. Listen, okay. I don't have any place to be. Can we curse on this podcast? I always have to ask. You can. You can. Okay, cool. 
Uh, long ago and far away, the way that I got my start in voiceover, um, I was uh, already represented um, at CESD for uh, on-camera commercials. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I had that representation, but I was mostly working, um, you know, doing soap operas and, and yes, 90210 and other, you know, TV yep. and film things that would come up. And, uh, and I... I was on a soap at one point and I got, you know, this was, this was another world. Ago. This was a long time ago. It was another world. It was another world entirely. And it may have actually been another world. So, uh, <laughs> I don't remember, but, but I was, um, I was, I was in Los Angeles working on something else. And, and, it, you know, because this was early days, there was no, you know, don't read the comments. Like no oh, one okay. was telling people don't read the comments because mm -hmm. what what are the comments even? What, where right. do you see comments? It's I like, how was the world upset that Michael Keaton was cast as Batman when the Internet didn't exist? <laughs> exactly. So at this point, however, there are message boards. And I was mm -hmm. like, I want to see what the fans think of me. Let's see. So I get on there and this is the direct quote. Direct quote. She's real pretty and all but I have to turn the volume off on my TV because it's like Alvin and the chipmunks have invaded my living room. <laughs> and my response was twofold. First of all, fuck you. Second of all, that sounds like an amazing career. Right. I love this idea. Yeah, yeah. And I really did. And it is, and people who know me are like, that is very Julie. Right, like, right. and I certainly, I, I guarantee you, I was embarrassed and, and like, I'm, I'm sure that I had a very human, right embarrassed and oh no response but i also was like okay where's the gift the gift is if someone thinks i sound like a cartoon i you could do cartoons. cartoons and so you know whereas some of my my wonderful colleagues grew up you know wanting to be a cartoon voice i'd never thought about it it had never occurred to me that that was a thing i was like look the cartoons are there they're funny and cute i don't know right. and all of a sudden i thought well this is great and i called up CESD at the time CED and I said hey uh someone just insulted me and said that I sound like a cartoon so uh can you try me on this whole, oh, that whole message board thing? story like message board so you know can I'm trained as a you know I'm trained as an opera singer I've been you know training my whole life doing you know acting stuff as you know so can you just like throw me in the voiceover thing and I'm like okay so I went on my first audition and I was incredibly fortunate and booked it. And it ended up being a year long gig doing promos for Lifetime Television. But because oh, yeah. I had. Yeah. And it was like, like I mean, Friday on Lifetime. Yes. It was a section of um, it was a, a, a married to three a people. group. Yes. It was a grouping of shows they called The Place. So it would be The Dish, The Wire, Pandora, Three Blind Dates place on lifetime come as you are so there was that <clears throat> so and i didn't i don't know what i was but i but it was natural and fun and freeing like you, I, you alluded yes to. really freeing and i kind of never left the microphone so i was you know the kids don't try this at home i know i was really lucky i already was represented it this was oh, yeah. this is the backwards way of getting into it but I fell in love with it. So, you know, fast forwarding, you know, I came out to Los Angeles. This was when I was still living in New York. So I went back to New York. I think I might've been bicoastal at the time. Went back to New York, was working on shows there and then coming out to Los Angeles again, 
CESD Los Angeles said, yeah, well, let's send you out on some stuff. Hmm. And I remember, you know, Kathy Lizio went into the booth with me and was like, you need to have a demo. And I was like, cool. How do I do that? So, you know, we, we came that? up with, I came up with some characters and some stuff. I improv and I wrote some stuff. And, we right, and you had to out. book studio time somewhere studio. because you, we didn't have these. In Kathy housing. Lizio, Kathy Lizio. I don't know if I've ever told this story. <laughs> Kathy Lizio at CESD stayed after work one day and recorded me. And I went in the booth there and she directed me and recorded me. And we did all it was, was a, it was dry. We didn't, there was nothing sweetened. There was no music. No one was like turning it into a fancy demo. It was just that because she's like, I want to be able to pitch you for animation. Cause at that point I was like, I want to do it. I want to do animation. I want to do it. So what you're asking me is really, what was it like to start doing animation? Mm -hmm. And it was dreamy. It was so exciting and so much fun. And it, I was such a kid in a kid. Well, Zeta Project, they did as a, a radio play. Like everybody was in the same room, right? Back in the day when we all could be in the same room together anyway. But yes, and, and, and you know, that less was also what we were apart. doing. Yes, less than six feet apart. And it was also what we were doing at the time, you know, in, in, in all of those projects, animation, you know, so much of it was playing off of each other. And now... You know, while the technology has gotten so good and, and we really sound like we're in the same room with each other, we've also had to evolve with the technology. So, you know, like we were talking about with video games, a lot of times it's really most of the time just me in a booth by myself, talking to myself. And I have to be able to imagine the entire environment. I have to imagine mm -hmm. what my scene partner is doing. You know, imagine if 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 there's, you know, giving me a look that makes me hesitate with my next line. I create that in my head. And then that's just how I deliver the line because it's what I imagined, the environment I have to create for myself. Right. And incredible. And it's really um, it, the interactivity that we would normally be getting being in the same room with other performers. I have to do in my head, <laughs> which right. is, you know, really fun. It's acting. That's acting. Right. It's acting. Yeah. No, I, I look, I remember I was uh, covering the Seattle Mariners and there was a job opening at Major League Baseball and what they needed on a tape, a tape, you know. Yeah, there you go. Uh -huh. <laughs> just to show you, they wanted a, like a, a sit down studio interview and I didn't have that. And mm -hmm. one of the play by play announcers of the Seattle Mariners offered to do a fake one. And we did a fake one. And I sent it in and they were like, wow, he has a good studio presence. And I got the gig and hmm. you're it's the total thing. Like, wow, there are people who will help you along the lines mm -hmm. and you never forget it. You never, never. you never, ever uh, forget it. Um, they never. would take my 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 podcast away from me. Oh, if no. We don't talk for a second. Oh, about no. Spider-Man. People are um, going to take things away from you? I don't think the Spider-Man MTV away. series is one of the most underrated Spider-Man TV sh series. And what a lot of fans will say is it is in continuity with the Tobey Maguire movies. It took place between Spider-Man 2 and Spider-Man 3. Mm -hmm. And because of that, there is a huge connection. When it was put on Disney+, Plus. it did extremely well. Uh, that show has seen a new life. 
what can you tell us take away from that neil patrick harris played peter parker Mm -hmm. uh ian ziering played harry osborne and you played sally johnson and i remember (laughs) i just i just remember that show it was on at like 11 o'clock at night it was on mtv and that made no sense and (laughs) it was just one of the strangest weirdest shows but again it has this massive, massive following. <laughs> the um, uh, I'll just tell you that walking in and seeing the players, and again, this is early in my career. I was Doogie like, Howser. how? Do, yeah, I was like, how do I play this cool? Right. How do I do this? How do I play this cool right now? I'm kind of freaking out. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm I'm also, you know, the things are streaming now that. You know, a lot of people didn't have an opportunity to see early on the first time, right? And and that's exciting. Oh, Gargoyles too. is on. Is on. It does does really well. Young Justice got brought back because of streaming service. So yeah, I I think um I I think it's just another one of those. I can't believe we get to do this moments, yeah. you know. And and you know, you're bringing up projects that I got to work on much earlier in my career right of course. bringing up you know first game versus 100th game and first you know animated series versus whatever i'm up to now and and it's um it's funny because the more the more i stay in a place of play and joy the less i am aware of how much time has passed right how many what was this it's just here's another story i get to tell well. safely you sound great and you've thank been you. you've been hugely supportive of the show. Uh thank you so much for doing so. Congratulations on League of Legends, uh Briar. Um congratulations on all the voice stuff with the video games and the, the animation which again you've done everything. You've played everybody. <laughs> um all I can say is continue to come back. Continue to come back and and just be on the show and tell people what you're working on you're an easy person to root for your success. Oh, and that's a really nice thing to say. Thank all you. we want to do is, is see more of you and, and, and see, you know, you in more things. Well, thank you. That's, that's an incredibly kind thing to say. So thank you so much. And I appreciate that you invite me here to talk to you. I mean, I'm, Anytime. you know, it's not lost on me that, you know, I have to be in, you know, in with a pretty great group if you're talking about you know you got to talk to phil lamar i'm like i love phil lamar you talk to phil lamar too cool it's amazing to see the growth and again there are people there are such wonderful people and that was the idea behind the show was showcase them when you find great people showcase them and what well, you have quite a, quite a, a portfolio thank you so much thank you for inviting me to be to be a part of this party right it's it's quite a guest list party. that you've amassed right if we take all of those people you know that should really be just a guest list for a party and no cake totally no cake cake free imaginary cake that's what we'll uh, call the party the party will be called imaginary cake that's it <laughs> thanks for coming on i know this everybody listening will hear you before you are you're back on the show because you're in everything thanks so much we'll talk to you soon thank you so much The great Julie Nathanson. What a pleasure to have her on the show. What a pleasure to have you listening to the show. Please support the podcast. Give it an iTunes review. 
We'll be back with another episode next week right here. This is the podcast. If you're old enough to know what the Hall of Justice is, you are in our demographic. We'll see you next week. Hey!